another lovely program and we just want to let you all know that we on for breaking bread let somebody know that dr weech is on get out those bibles so we can begin our study breaking bread is on and we'll be right back right after our intro breaking bread breaking bread breaking bread with dr weech breaking bread Breaking bread, breaking bread with Dr. Weech. Breaking bread, breaking bread, breaking bread with Dr. Weech. You're tuned in to Breaking Bread with your host and moderator, Dr. Weech. Let's go now to our study. And welcome to Breaking Bread. I'm your host, Dr. Weech. And it's a pleasure and a joy for you to be with us again today. Uh, if we're in the Florida area, you know, we have those things that we have to consider and we're going to be praying for those individuals who write in the mind or who's in the eye of this particular storm. Um, when you're in paradise, you have to be prepared for these things. But we thank the most high that in all things we can uh, pray and put this matter before him. And we're going to keep those people again in prayer. And for those who may need resources, we will be in uh, their uh, care. We will be ready to answer the call. And to accommodate. <clears throat> uh, but in any event, the last time I saw, we're in our 12th season. Thank the most high we're here in our 12th season. And it's been a good run. It's been a joy. And I'll do this as long as the most high said I need to do it. And I don't know if you had the opportunity to be with us last time, but I had a very special guest. And uh, this particular guest, God willing, will be continuously every third show, every third show of the month. So that's the third Tuesday show of breaking bread of the month so we're going to keep that in mind okay I'm getting a little static here let me fix this all right so we're going to keep that in mind dr bird i've known her for a good part of good part of my life since high school and a great theologian and if we had the opportunity to bounce around some ideas hopefully we'll get dr gene on to participate as well but looking forward to just getting some other perspectives on unique studies or unique things i like to bring the bible forth and make it come to life in your everyday activity so uh so you realize that these uh theological or these biblical principles are not archaic so i like to put these in perspective we're going to talk about something that i think we can find useful coming up in november it is election time and i want to kind of give you a guide as to how a believer should in fact vote um, we often hear this often when people say, oh, well, I don't believe we should vote. I don't believe we should get involved in politics. And I'm going to deal with all of that. And there is uh, a truth to that. But I think we as believers need to be mindful that if we're going to vote and if we're going to participate in this vote, we need to be conscious and we need to vote the way that the Most High God would want us to vote. We need to vote having the mind of the anointed one, having the mind of Christ. That's how we got to vote. So I'm hopeful this study will help you do that. But always, we got a few commercials. After the commercials, get your Bible out. I have an overwhelming amount of scriptures I want to give you. And we're going to kind of walk through the word, the bread of life. So we'll be right back after these commercials. Did you know there's scientific evidence that prayer works? I'm not telling you this to validate God's word. But I'm telling you what we as believers in the Most High God already know. Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, our Savior, said men should always pray and not lose faith. This is why I want to invite you to pray with me. 
I'm looking for at least seven, and with 12 or more, we can do wonders. But I'm looking for at least seven people who are committed to prayer. We will pray every Wednesday at 8 p.m. So if you want to join me and a few faithful, I want you to call 305-647-1922 or email us at info at the G2G Foundation.org. That's I-N-F-O at the G2G Foundation.org. Or hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at the G2G Foundation. Once again, I'm inviting you to pray every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Send your prayer requests, expectations for the miraculous as we shape things up with prayer. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m., 305-647-1922. Hello, friends. Are you a pastor in search of support? Maybe you are a lay person seeking clarity on God's movement and kingdom. Let me encourage you to connect with the G2G Foundation as we are making efforts to assist faith-based organizations to get back on message. Our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached worldwide as a witness, then the end will come. I talk to many religious leaders and believers, and many are unclear to the kingdom message. It is vital in these times that we teach and preach the God's kingdom and tell them about the kingdom. For more information, you can log on to the G2GFoundation.org or call 305-647-1922. That's 305-647-1922. Or log on to the G2GFoundation.org. There's a saying, pressure burst pipes or pressure will burst diamonds. When you encounter pressure in your life, you need to be the diamond that comes forth. Abba Theological Seminary helps you become the gem the Most High God created you to be. Abba Theological Seminary has various programs ranging from the arts, such as videography, to becoming a biblical scholar in theology. Abba Theological Seminary has degree programs in ministerial vocations starting from the associate level, allowing you to work to earn your doctoral degree. Abba Theological Seminary is a fully functional online educational institution providing our students with a rigorous curriculum, access to seasoned professors, and a vast amount of online resources to assist our students along their journey. Don't hesitate. Call an advisor today. For more information, log on to www.atsedu.info. That's atsedu.info. Or you can call 954-324-7280. Again, that's www.atsedu.info or call 954-324-7280. Again, that's 954-324-7280. When organized religion lies to Christianity as another religion built on lies with similarities to other pagan religions. When holidays that celebrate a biblical God are not biblical. Christians defend his Easter. Uh... And it's another holiday that originated from pagan origin. One has to ask, is God real? Is the Bible a book filled with lies, tampered with by men, a rewrite authoritative version of the Holy Bible? James agrees. Or is it all true? Their Truth Was a Lie is a documentary series that exposes the paganism that has lived in organized religion of Christianity and reveals the truth. Uh, because the Catholic Church sanctioned Easter, maybe around 324, 325 B.C., All right, welcome back. Um, having some difficulties with other commercials, but in the, in the event, let's get right into it. Um, we're going to talk about 
how we as believers should vote and if we had the mind of the anointed one how would he want us to vote and sometimes i hear people say you know as believers i don't believe we should get involved in voting i hear that often as believers we should get involved in voting but i kind of want to walk through the scriptures to see what the bible says we have an overwhelming amount of information and we certainly can kind of get an idea of what the most high god would require of us in regards to voting so let's begin father in heaven uh, we thank you for this opportunity to discuss your word. We just ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the doors of understanding that we can receive and know what you would desire for us in regards of voting. We want to, if we participate in vote, we want to vote biblical principles. We want to vote in a manner that's pleasing to you. And we just ask for insight and wisdom as we go forth to understand this topic. We thank you now. We open our hearts and yield to the power and the presence of the spirit and the word. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So we want to talk about voting. Um, I was had this discussions with someone and they was like, you know, I don't believe we as believers should participate in voting. And I said, it's interesting. But, you know, uh, we if we're going to talk about voting, we should be informed and we should be conscious of we of what we're going to be voting on or what we're voting and talking about. Now, I'm going to say this. And again, I'm not endorsing anyone. But I know when the previous president was in his office, it was chaotic. It was. But I know if the most high God can say, I've caught my servant Cyrus. Cyrus was, uh, he believed in Zoroastrianism, I believe, and uh, Mithras, Ahura Mazda rather. And if I'm not mistaken. And if the most high God can call him his servant, I recall, listen, again, not advocating anything. But I recall Trump as wild as he was when there was this pandemic and they had smoke shops open, lottery shops open, beer shops open, churches was closed. I know I heard the man say with his own mouth, we need more prayer. We need the churches open. Okay. And I can recall him saying, you know, we need to open up the opportunity for people to share their faith in public schools. It shouldn't be like this. I heard him say this. Now. We're looking at the party in office now, and a lot of these nations that I get emails from these companies that, you know, you get linked in with, and they say, we need you to pray for this particular nation because they're being persecuted. They've, they've been taken off the watch list at the change of an administration, and believers are being persecuted, and their lives are in danger. So when we vote, we have to vote with an overall understanding of what these people will be doing and how it will affect our faith. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I don't have to like a candidate and I'm going to tell you the politics of the business of politics is filthy, dirty and nasty. I believe an inside joke. If a politician is moving his lips, he's lying. She's lying. If they're not moving their lips, they're trying to tell you the truth. Okay, and I'm quite sure many people feel that way about a clergyman. But nevertheless, I think for the most part, we have to figure out if we're going to speak on politics what we're talking about. Too many times I speak to people and, you know, you try to dig in with the issues and they say, well, oh, I really don't follow politics. But that's no excuse. Ignorance is no excuse. If we're supposed to be the light of the world and we're supposed to exemplify or demonstrate that the character of the Messiah, we need to understand which, I don't know, which party, if there's a party that will be more conducive for that environment. And I don't, you know, we, we just got to know what we're talking about. So now, uh, there are several parties I was looking at, but the two major parties that we have are Democrat and Republican. Those are the, those are the two major parties. 
Now, when we go into those factions, you'll get into liberalism, left, and you get into conservatism, right wing, with regards to Republicans. Now, but overall, that these parties have philo- philo- philosophical differences, all right? And then you would call your, some people call themselves their moderate. Now, as a believer, I would say I would classify myself as a conservative, okay, as a conservative. And as far as voting, I'm no party affiliation. No, I'm not Democrat nor Republican. I'm neither of them. I just listen to each party and see which party, as I hear them in the debates and look at their record, which party will do the most or sounds the most like biblical principles or what I believe. All right. Now, when we talk about Democrat and Republicans, the ideas and the philosophies are somewhat different. But the most important thing I want to touch is. Uh, let's see, how do we do this? Mm. All right, so I'm going to go over some of the beliefs of the Democratic and Republican Party. All right. Uh, let me see. Well, the Democrats are what we would say, I, I guess, liberal. And liberal meaning... We're, we're kind of open to any and all kind of idea, all right? We're open to any and all kind of idea. Democrat believe in minimum wages and progressive tax, higher tax rate for higher income brackets, uh, and ideas evolved over time. The Republicans believe taxes should be increased for anyone, the wealthy, the wages should be set at a free market, which I kind of believe, okay? I think we should let the free market dictate whatever it is. Now, some of you are like, why are you talking politics? Politics, if we're going to look in the Bible and show you how politics is repeatedly discussed and how worship was conducted uh, 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 was pretty much who was in leadership, okay? Um, Democrats believe in decreased spending of military. Republicans clearly believe in increased spending uh democrats support gay marriage republicans give the impression that they're for traditional marriage uh stance on abortion democrats favor roe v wade and republicans do not believe and are pretty happy that roe v wade is overturned uh the death penalty uh many democrats don't support that republicans many do support that and definitely, you know, the Republicans believe in that Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, and the Democrats uh, do not. So I want to kind of, i give you an overview of what those parties believe. And there are some other little intricate things that we can't go into detail about. But for the most part, we're going to look at that. Now, what I'm going to look at is to see what does Bible say with respect to government? What does Bible say in respect to in matters of Leadership and politics. So if we go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, and we look at in the beginning when the Most High God created all things. I say I like to say either Elohim because Elohim in the Bible is always used as a term that, that describes God as the creator of all things when they say Elohim. Because it would be in Hebrew, in the beginning, Elohim, God. And I like to say Most High God because, you know, you hear people say God and they're like, well, which God? Right. So I just say like the most high God. 
But he says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish, sea, birds, air, cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. All right, so now, number one, we see creation. And what the Most High God says is, let's put the man in charge of everything. And when we say the man is in charge, we would say it was somewhat one person being in charge is a dictator. All right. And I don't want to say that's in a term of a nasty term. Or we can say that there was a theocratic government because God was the overseer, but the man was in charge of the of the earth. So it's like a co-regency type of government. But let's just call it a theocracy. Man is in charge on earth, but the most high God oversees. So both of them are like gods in this earth realm. God, well, Adam is the God on earth. The most high God is God in heaven. So we see that there's a form of government. There's a theocratic rule. Okay? There's a theocratic rule. And the rule of law is the one law that what the most high God says. Do not eat from this tree. Everything else you can do, you're in charge. You're lord of this planet. You're, you're, you're in control of everything. All right? One, one law, don't, don't eat from over here. Everything else... Is you. Law is broken. Then we see that he was kicked out of the garden. Adam and his family was kicked out of the garden. And after they were kicked out of the garden, we see the Most High God restructuring more or less uh, the order. Okay? Because what happened after that theocratic movement of eating from the tree of knowledge, man began to lie because Adam. Where are you? Hey, I, I, I was over here hiding. What happened? Irresponsibility, abandonment, because he said, hey, he left his wife, said, woman, you gave me, about throw under the bus, abandonment. We also have fear of God, not of reverence, because there was no fear of the Most High. They were both in charge. They were, the Most High God created Adam, God the Father, Adam is the son. He wasn't afraid of God, but now he's running from God because he said, I heard you and I was afraid. So now we see fear coming in because they ate from the tree and we see murder and polygamy. All right. Because we see uh, Lamech down his descendants married to women and all of the things that the most high God did not prescribe. So we see that that order was busted or broken and the most high God has to reconstruct and restructure everything. All right. So now as we fast forward, we go to Genesis chapter 12. We go to Genesis chapter 12. And if we look at Genesis chapter 12, verse one, it says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you should be a blessing. So now he calls Abraham. Why? Because he's going to reconstruct the order. Still a theocracy. Now he calls Abraham and I like to say that as he calls Abraham and he begins to work in Abraham's life, it brings to remembrance what the Messiah says about the scripture. Look at Luke 17. Look at Luke 17. Luke 17 verses 21. Luke 17 verse 21. Again, the Most High God created Adam theocracy. Adam eats from the tree. 
things get messed up, abandonment, irresponsibility, lying, deceit, murder, polygamy, all of these things enter into the, into the system now. So the Most High God begins to recreate and restructure a system now to where he has to ensure that there'll be order. Okay? And in this, he's working in a theocratic a theocracy. Theocratic movement theocracy. Now, look at what the Messiah says. Because the Pharisees ask him in verse 20, Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say here or there, for indeed the kingdom of God, most high, is within you. I added the most high. So, when we talk about kingdom structure or format, we can't say, well, the kingdom's over there, the kingdom's over here. But the Messiah says the kingdom's within you. And that's what he's structuring with Abraham. He calls Abraham. Abraham hears from the Most High God, and he goes away. Now, the kingdom is being established in Abraham because Abraham hears the voice of the Most High, and he's obedient, and he's willing to follow what the Most High God tells him. He's willing to go wherever the Most High God tells him. What is that? That's a theocracy. God is ruling. God is reigning. Okay, so we see that as believers, we can't say the kingdom is here or there, but the kingdom of the most high is within you. That's why wherever you go, you have to have the mind of the anointed one. And if we're going to call ourselves voting, we have to vote with the intention that we bring the kingdom wherever we are and our vote will be stumped or will punch that which mimics or looks just like or whoever, whichever politician is talking the most of a theocratic or biblical view structure without infringing on the rights of others. All right. We got to put that in there because some people will give the presumption that if we uh, acquiesce to a God country, it will infringe upon the rights of anyone. But that could be uh more contrary to the truth because, again, we all know that in this kingdom, love is the foremost ingredient. All right. So now let's take a look at uh, Genesis. Take a look at Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Now we're going to get into governments now. We're going to get into governments if we look at Exodus chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis, 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 Genesis. If we look at Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Now, this is when Pharaoh, Moses get the call from the Most High God. Moses committed murder. He's been, uh, well, he's been uh, um Rescued from the now, pulled in. He's in the family of Pharaoh. He sees uh, one of the Egyptian brothers smiting one of the uh, Hebrews. He gets involved. He kills him. He's in exile. He's in, in fear of his life. He comes back after 40 days, I mean 40 years living in Egypt, 40 years in uh, with Jethro's father-in-law, marrying, a woman, marrying one of Jethro's daughters, coming back 80 plus years old to Tell the mo tell Pharaoh, hey, listen, you got to let the Most High God's people go. All right. Now, if we look at Genesis chapter forty-one, verse eight, look what happens. Now it came to pass in the morning that a spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt. I'm sorry, we're not that far yet. We're we're not that far. Yet. We're actually before all of this. I'm sorry. We're we're to the part where Pharaoh has a dream 
And he calls Joseph. Forgive me. I'm moving ahead too fast. Too fast. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 48, it says, Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians and all his wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Now, what I want you to see is that whenever we see leaders during this period, at this point, Egypt is a superpower. They're the superpower in the earth. They're doing lots of business. They have a good army. Um, people are coming there to get their goods. So Pharaoh has this dream. The Most High God puts the dream in Pharaoh's mind and his spirit in the nighttime. And they call Joseph, who was in prison. Now, at this point, Joseph was sold by his brothers. He was mistreated by his brothers. He goes to uh, Potiphar's house. He's accused. His wife accused him of rape. He goes to prison. And uh, the chief God puts him in charge. He calls out the butler's dream. And another uh, Pharaoh's employee was in jail. They, he interprets the dream properly. Now the butler's, oh, I remember this kid. Okay. But when we say he called the magicians and the wise men, the magician were those who, who, who studied astrology. Okay. And he called the wise men counselors. All right. So we see that even in these governments, these people have people they look to. All right. In this case, Pharaoh was looking to people who practiced the stars and astrology. That's not something we as believers get into. We shouldn't go to the horoscope. We shouldn't read the uh, tarot cards. We shouldn't read the horoscopes because the Lord says in Isaiah, shouldn't the people come to the living to talk about or ask or inquire about what will happen to them? So if we see that there's a government and there are no people who have the mind of the anointed one having influence on a political leader, it could be disastrous. It could be disastrous. So we're seeing in this superpower, Pharaoh has people around him. And guess what? They have to call a man of God, which is Joseph, to come interpret the dream. And as a result, Joseph was placed in the cabinet with Pharaoh. He was put in charge. So we see that it's very vital that we don't just neglect or not respect politics. It's in our best interest to understand politics because we have to articulate our beliefs and our ideas to those who may not understand or agree with our political views. That we believe in family. We believe in life. We believe in those things. We believe in traditional marriage. Right? But if we're going to vote, and I can tell you, i never forget this. I remember years ago, uh, I was sitting in invitation because... We used to operate and deal with a lot of these faith-based organizations. And they sent me out an invitation to go to some breakfast with some politicians. And breakfast was pretty good, too. And I knew the head of that particular organization, white dude, older dude, cool dude, just sat, started sitting by me, just talking to me, which is the strangest thing. And it, that many people didn't show up. And he says, hey, man, you want another one of those plates? Man, you get as many plates as you want. I'm paying for this. <laughs> I said, well, bring it on. But um, I can recall a follow-up call. And it was from one of the, the employees. And we had a conversation. I was like, sir, why don't we spend dialogue trying to figure out why a lot of evangelicals, white, will vote conservative and Republicans. And you got a lot of African-Americans who vote with the Democratic Party. I couldn't understand it. And that usually is what's happening. You go to black churches, they'll tell you to vote Democrat, vote Democrat. You go to uh, evangelical white church, Republicans, strong, staunch conservatism. 
And I always wondered, I actually, I said, if we serve one Lord, one faith, one baptism, why is this so diverse? Why do African-Americans vote for Democrats, Demo- De- Democratic politicians, while our brothers who believe the same thing as we do in Bible vote Republicans? Something's wrong. And when I say something's wrong, there's only one Bible, and it doesn't change. And if we're both reading the same thing, and understand the same thing We should vote Or pick out the same leader In spite of Feelings, emotion Or ethnic, gender Or race Okay, Because we know the Bible says The most high God is not partial He's no respective person Right So I think It, calls, it, it comes behind of uh, An ignorance if you will And I'm hopeful to touch on that today as you move forward. So as we look, if we look fast forward, we saw Joseph ended up working for Pharaoh, man of faith. As a result, he was able to save his family. If we look in Daniel in um, Babylon, Daniel, as a result of his faith, he was called into Nebuchadnezzar to articulate the dream as a result of a man of God being serving in politics. He was able to spare his brothers from death, <laughs> from death, right? So, I, as believers, we kind of we, we got to get out of this thing that oh, two things you should discuss: politics and religion. Those are things you should absolutely discuss because if you don't un, if you don't have a clarity or understanding, you will vote ignorantly or you'll move ignorantly to your own detriment. To your own detriment, right? So it's absolutely necessary and vital that we understand the matter of politics. Right? We may not like the person. We may not appreciate or or, or agree with everything. But we got to see which politician is sounding the most like the anointed one. Because remember the Most High God said through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. He says, my sheep know my voice, a stranger, they not finna follow. And so I'm saying sometimes we follow strangers, not aligning up with biblical views. And then you ask people, oh, I don't, I don't care. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm, I'm on the side of conservatism. And here's why. I never forget the time I was uh, speaking to a young lady, evangelist. Know to be an evangelist. Know the woman of God to be an evangelist. And this was during the 2020 election, I think, with Trump and Hillary. I said, well, who you voting for? I wasn't a Trump fan. Still not. But I was not going to vote for the other party. <laughs> I knew. And I say, uh, who are you going to vote for? She said, I got to vote for Hillary. I said, why? She's a woman. Only reason. She's a woman. I said, so that's your only reason. And I think sometimes we give our votes to certain parties because of our race. Some people may just vote Democrat. I'm black. I've been voting Democrat all my life. I'm white. I've been voting Republican all my life. Not knowing why we're doing what we're doing. Not studying the candidate. Their political views. Not, not engaging. Not involving ourselves with research. What is this person's faith? And if 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 it's not like mine, how would they vote or how would they move with my because they're in power now. They're in the office. They have the ability to make laws. And if that is the case, who around that sector will look after my best interest here in Daniel when Babylon was a superpower? Uh uh Bishak 
Pharaoh had Daniel. Daniel had found favor with Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel was able to give wisdom. Daniel was able to do witness to the Most High God until they said, hey, we gonna, Nebuchadnezzar said, we're going to honor Daniel's God. Daniel's God got it going on. Okay? So I'm saying as believers, we need to learn how to navigate through every single thing because the Messiah says, you're going to be witnesses for me first in Jerusalem and throughout this world. So if we're going to be witnesses and have dominion, that means in every sector and quarter of society, business, sports, economics, politics, whatever the arena is, we got to witness entertainment. We have to witness they had a witness, male witness to Hollywood with the passion of the Christ. You had Tim Tebow witnessing the NFL when he threw for 316 yards. John 316, and it was another. He did it 316 twice. John 316, he was wearing John 316. How, the odds of that happened. He testified in the sports world. We have to be mindful and be a witness in every sector of society. Now, moving on, if we look at Esther, and I don't want to go into all these scriptures because I want to go into some other things because I want to touch the topics. But if we look at Esther, Esther had Mordecai, her relative, and as a result of Mordecai being in politics or understanding the importance of politics, he was able to instruct Esther to say, Esther, you got to move. They had a law that's going to affect us and it's going to be detrimental to us. So he was able to counsel her, Esther, who was in position and power. And as a result, Mordecai got promoted in government and he was able to influence and change laws to preserve his faith. We got it. We got it. We got to stop saying we can't get in politics. No, you don't get in the filthiness and the dirtiness and the corruption of politics. You walk upright with integrity. But you, you, you have we have to be cognizant of politics and the leaders. We have to be cognizant of the politicians and the leaders. And we have to send people who know how to navigate in that because I'm going to tell you the politics is serious business. Most of those people are lawyers. They know how to navigate things. And sometimes we don't send the best representation for us. Okay. So as a result, Mordecai was able to give Esther some influence, some, some ideas, some information in politics. All right. So now recall the charge of man. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue, replenish. That's the charge. That is no different than the Messiah telling us to be witnesses to me and all over. Spread the good news. Still the mandate. Now, when we look at Genesis chapter 5, now we're going to talk about the, 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 um, the issues. If we go to Genesis chapter 5, verses 2. Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. And... It says, well, let's look, take a look at verse 1, Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. Now, where am I going with this? Let's go to Mark Chapter 10. Let's go to Mark chapter 10 and we're going to look at verse uh, verse 6. Now, the Pharisees are asking Jesus the Christ to show the Messiah about marriage. Okay, 
They're asking about marriage. And they said, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said, Then what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and dismiss her. And Jesus, Yeshua, answered them and said, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. But the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now, this will cover the issue of family and marriage. Um, you have politicians right now trying to restructure and redefine what marriage is. And I believe there were some laws passed for them to sanction marriage between and to be defined as man and woman. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important because Adam was... Unable to fill, fulfill the charge That the most high God gave him Which was subdue, replenish Have dominion And multiply He couldn't do that He couldn't do it by himself He didn't have the equipment to do it by himself So he needed someone who had the equipment Who was compatible to him to do that Now Again we can say We don't care what people do in that bedroom I don't either But the conundrum comes when My view is pushed aside and another view is for it to make it look like what I believe is incorrect and intolerable when what is not correct is pushed aside and seems tolerable and correct. Right? So if we're going to be talking about who we're voting for, we can't say, well, I don't care about what people do in their bedroom. I don't care either, but what are you trying to mandate? That's conflicting with the Most High God's law. You can say, well, I don't care. We have to care. Because people are moving in error according to our beliefs, according to what nature and biology prescribes and dictates. I mean, when you allow lunacy to take to go so far and you don't interrupt or cut it off, it will go even further. Because now you got people say, well, I'm not a man today. I'm going to be a woman. I feel like a girl. I feel like a man. Born a man, but I feel like a woman. And this is the kind of stuff that's going on. And it's being so forwarded unto our youth till it's, it's troubling. I'm sorry. This is a live show. We're on live. If you would like to call in, participate in the program, have a, have a question. 321-345-WDF. All right, so again, the Most High God is concerned with family. So concerned that he sent his son to kind of reconstruct us and be brought back and restored back to the original place that we were during creation, which was ruling on earth in our lives. Having kingdom within us to be, and having that ability to rule and reign within our own lives, in our own household, within our own environment, having that ability to have that. Okay. So now, the Most High God is concerned with the sanctity of marriage, and I'm gonna tell you, I whatever is sanctioned for the glory to the Most High, I think sometimes anti-God movement kind of works to besmirch it. We know that the Most High God sent His Son to die. We know that Jesus Yeshua died for the bride, right? He died for that bride, and so. Because that bride is so important to the, the Messiah said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. 
And I like that word because that word in the Greek when it says the gates, it's talking about the opening of a gate to where, you know, it's not hindered where you can just run right through. He says, you open it. That ain't going to disrupt what I'm finna build. He's talking about his woman, his bride. And so what you see is you see that particular definition or format of my marriage isn't being honored. And it's vital that, you know, we understand the importance of that. And I think if we're going to, if that's going to be an issue, if it's going to be an issue, we got to find people that talk like that, what Messiah said. From the beginning of the creation, the Most High God made them. You, said, you already said, from the beginning, from creation, the Most High God created them, male and female. All right? Now, uh, let's go to the issue of abortion. Infanticide. I hear this argument even in the body of Christ. It trips me out. When people be like, How no man gonna trouble do my body? I, I hear that often. Women say, This is my body, ain't nobody, how dare they tell what to do with my body? And you've embraced the narrative or the argument of the secularist. You've embraced the argument of the secularist. Alright? Now, if we're gonna look at the issue of abortion, let's go to first Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19. If you want to call in three, two, one, three, four, five, nine, four, four, three, three, two, one, three, four, five, WGGF. All right. So if we're looking at topic of abortion, let's what let's see what the body says. Now, ladies. We're going to go to the script. We're going to go to the text because I I never forget. I was in a, I was in a store. I was in a hair place. The girl was doing my hair, and I heard this woman say, "I go to church. I ain't got time to see him." And then somehow abortion came up, and she wanted to say, "Ain't no man telling me what to do with my body. It's my body. How dare you tell me to do my body?" And I read a description right here. <laughs> I read a description right here. It says, "Uh, in verse nineteen." Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Right? Again, your body, Paul is saying, you don't know this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Right? So Paul. Paul, brother Paul is basically saying, that ain't your body. <laughs> it ain't yours no more. When you said, I do, I renounce sin, I surrender to the Messiah. Lord, come into my heart. I embrace your Holy Spirit. You doing your own thing is gone. Literally, you said, God, come live in my body. Because remember, we look at Revelation, I think it's 320. Behold, I stand at the door, the door and knock. Whoever lets me in, me and my father will come. Eat and dine and essentially live with him. So if you call yourself a blood-bought believer, a woman of God, man of God, you're not your own. Not no more because you got somebody living in there with you. Just like if you have your house, uh, someone lives in there with you, or if you got a roommate, equal partners, then you can't just do what you want to do. You got to consider your roommate now. And guess what? You got 
the most high God taking residence in your body. You can't do what you want to do. Look what it says. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And he says he in you. And watch this. It ain't from you. It's from God. And you're not your own. So you can't do what you want to do. It's not your body. So you can't use the argument. That's my body. Anybody tell me what to do with my body. It ain't yours no more if you claim to be a believer. And he says, for you were what? Bought with a price. Therefore, glorify the most high God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. It's not your body anymore. With your spirit, you are not God. You are now God's. It's simple. When, when it comes to the issue of abortion, we have to contend for the faith. We have to stand on the side of pro-life. You may have made mistakes back then. You may have thought something differently back then. But as of now, this day moving forward, you understand. If you done had the sex and you got somebody in there, that's a child of the Most High God. Because only God could bring forth life. If you've made a mistake before, fine. Moving forward today. Right? Okay. Now, also, go to... I'm sorry, I want to take this out too. This is important as well. Because if we look at the whole scheme of it, it says, uh, in verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Just cover it up. Matter of fact, excuse me, don't even cover it up. When I say cover I mean just... Don't do nothing. Don't, don't do it. Cover up. I'm saying just keep it locked. Okay. Keep it locked. And if you got to do you better find yourself a wife. Or you just better ask most how to grant you control. Like Paul said, I got control. Because the most I got to keep you if you want to be kept. Now, let me hurry along because I got a couple of other issues I want to hit. And I'm running out of time. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 4. And it says, look at this. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Watch this. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Again, you're not your body. It's not yours anymore. It's not yours. If you're married, the two become one. And if you're single, the most high God dwells in you. Who assists in dictating, calling the shots. So you just, not my body. It's my body. Do what I want. No, it's not. If you call yourself a believer, blood bought, bought with the price with the blood of the creators of the universe. You, you, you just don't do what you want no more. Out the window. All right. Now, let's talk about the Second Amendment. And, you know, the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms. And they often say, the citizens should have the right to bear arms to keep the government in check, all right? Because if the government want to do crazy, it's supposed to say, well, we're gonna, it's going to be some blood in the midst of you doing nonsense until y'all get it right. So consider the cost, right? Now, let's take a look at Luke 22, verse 35. And as I said, Democrats lean more on to anti-guns uh, for law-abiding citizens, while Republicans often embrace uh, law-abiding citizens to have the right to bear arms. Um, let's see what it says in Luke chapter 22. Yep, the Bible does have something to say about that. Luke chapter 22, verse 35. 
Now, you may say, well, what do I believe? I believe if I have a right to bear arms, I should bear my arms if I choose to. Okay? And government shouldn't tell me if the Constitution says this. Now, again, many Republicans believe in the Constitution, the written code, while some Democrats believe that that can be curved according and evolving in society. All right? Like some people may read the text as the Bible is the Bible. Some people say, well, no, we can change and we can move the goalposts and landmarks accordingly as society. And we got to kind of uh, I don't know, conform or come up to date with modernism. Okay, But the Bible dictates God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Luke chapter 22, verse 35 this is when the Messiah is completing the work and he's about to go back, be crucified, and do the task that he's come to do. And he says to them in Luke 22, verse 35, he said to them, when I sent you without money back, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing. Look what he says. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack and he, he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for things concerning me have an end. And he also says, so they, so they said, Lord, look here are two swords. And he said to them, it's enough. Now, apparently we don't know what's going on, but the Messiah says, hey, go, go take and bear some arms. Go take and bear some arms. He said, we got two swords here. That's enough. Now, again, apparently, say what you want, it wasn't figurative because they say, Lord, we got two swords here. Apparently, the Messiah didn't have a problem with them bearing arms. Apparently, he didn't have a problem with them bearing arms lawfully and legally. Now, I don't want anybody to say I'm advocating toting guns or what have you. I'm telling you that. If you're a believer and you're saying you want to embrace your amended Second Amendment right to bear arms, it's totally your discretion. Because apparently here, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, Christ, says get two swords and he does not have a problem with his disciples bearing arms. At a point and an appropriate time because it wasn't needed all throughout. Right? Now. How we respond in situations is another thing, okay? And I'm going to give you scripture to kind of put stuff in context. When you go to Matthew chapter 26, verses uh, 52, go to Matthew 26, verse 52. Again, it appears the Messiah didn't have a problem with his disciples bearing arms. He said, hey, go, go. If you ain't got one, go get one. We got two. All right, it's good enough. All right. Now, we can argue the fact that this was done for a variety of reasons, which we can draw out in exegesis for some understanding or an argument. But I'm saying off the surface, it doesn't appear that there's a problem with the Messiah having uh, his disciples bear arms. Now, lawfully, legally, according to what the law will allow. Now, when we go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 52. This is what the Messiah says in regards to that. Uh, these are the guys 
One of them had a sword, and he says, let's go to 51. He says, and suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew a sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Now, he's saying, now, if you're going to trust and put guns, put your trust in weaponry, and not look to other ways to resolve problems, you're living by the gun, you're going to die by the gun. Right? Now, the Messiah said, put up that sword because... This is written of me. It's no time to fight. And the reason why he says those who live by the gun die by the gun is because you can't have your gun every time and you finna pull it out on some people without being conscious or having a regard for life. That's so I wanted to put that in perspective. I wanted to build that bridge. Right? I don't have a problem with you bearing arms, but don't use it to be the bully. Use it irrationally. Use it improperly. In those types of ways. Okay. Now you can argue me. You can send me emails or whatever you want to do. But I want to hear what you got to say. And, and use scripture. I'm telling you. Uh, Bible. God is concerned with marriage. God is concerned with male and female marriage. God is concerned with traditional family. I'm telling you. God is concerned with life. God is concerned as to how we treat our bodies. And how we treat our life. Because only he can give it. Right? I'm telling you, according to scripture, the Most High God doesn't have a problem with you bearing arms. Just like the Constitution says. And more than likely, you're going to find that ability to bear arms in more conservative states. Especially, we say in Florida, Texas, places like that. Where you will absolutely not bear arms in more liberal states. California, you know, New York, Massachusetts, Jersey, places like that. No. No, no. Chicago. No. So you have that right, but keep it in perspective. Keep it into uh, just demonstrating that ability. Finally, I want to go to immigration. I want to go to immigration. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Uh Oh, that's it. No, that's not it. I want to go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 12. Verses. 48 Exodus chapter 12 verse 48 Now here Moses is giving the law And when it says And when a stranger dwells with you And wants to keep the Passover to the Lord Let all his males be circumcised And then let him come near and keep it And he shall be as a native of the land And keep it It shall be as a native of the land 49, one law shall be for the native born, one and for the stranger who dwells among you. So basically, when immigrants come, they embrace the customs of the land. They have to follow the same laws. So apparently, the Most High God doesn't have a problem with immigration. People coming from other countries to embrace the the political or the benefits that uh, a country has so if they're coming to this country they have to embrace the laws of this country now immigration since this country has laws as to how they should come then it is what it is so we have an influx of people breaking the law to enter the country that would be the problem I don't believe any well I don't believe most people we clearly we know there's some racists and they just won't approve of 
you know, interacting or living under same society of many different diverse cultures. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying as far as immigration, the most high God does not have a problem with immigrations as long as they're willing to embrace the law and customs of the land. Now, apparently there is a law in place for immigration and many people have followed that law and did what they were supposed to do. That's not a problem. But you have many people who are breaking the law. That would be problematic. That would be problematic. And so you even have politicians saying, you know what, let's give the, the immigrants who don't who are not here. Let's give them money. Let's get them money. We have many people here who can't get access to those benefits. You know how many immigrants have come here or people have come here? They're doing much better than people who are born here. And that's because they're they, they're afforded more opportunity. They kind of get a, a more of a boost, believe it or not. That's why if you are a believer in the Most High God, you cannot put your trust in government because Jeremiah told you, cursed is you if you put your trust in mankind. Jeremiah said, cursed is the man who put flesh. Don't put it in flesh. No. No. You can't put it in big government. No. And that's another thing. Democrats believe in extreme government intrusion and intervention. Republicans supposedly believe in less government. Again, I resort to this final scripture. And I think I have it here. Uh, we go to Joshua. I think it's five. I think it's five. And let me see. Mm-hmm. I go to jo- uh, Joshua chapter five, verse 13. Because when they say, are you a Republican Democrat? I like to say NPA, neither. And this is the scripture I like to use. It says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or, a- or for our adversaries? And he said, neither. But I'm as a commander of the army of the Lord. I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord have to say? You see what he says? He said, I'm for neither, but I'm a commander in the Lord. I'm for neither party, but I'm a child of the most high God and army of the Lord. <laughs> so I vote independent. Listen, I'm out of time. Hopefully this will help you vote. I wanted to get into some other issues and topics. Possibly I'll do a part two of this. But again, if you needed a blueprint to help you vote, this is the way you got to do it. All right. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time and this opportunity to discuss this word. We just ask that you allow people to build further on this word, grant understanding, grant clarity and wisdom that they vote like you think like you have the mind of the anointed one. We don't vote race, emotion, creed or whatever. We vote Bible. We vote having the mind of the anointed one voting with the mindset that we are voting for people who will represent you. Give us that understanding and mindset to, to find the right person who talks like you. Give us that discernment. If both are talking crazy, let us find that exit. And cause you say you won't put on us more than what we can bear. Help us make the same solution that will make, that will be pleasing to you in your precious name. We pray. Amen. 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 Listen, Shalom. And it simply means may the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord lifts his face upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord shine his countenance upon you. The name of the Lord is upon you. His words that he will bless you. Shalom, friends. Good night. Hello, family. Thanks for tuning in to Breaking Bread on this network. 
Breaking Bread is supported by the contributions of individuals and entities that donate to the G2G Foundation. If you have supported this organization, we want to say thank you. And to all our sponsors, your continued support is appreciated and makes it happen. If you would like to send a donation to support this program, you can send it by cash app to dollar sign G2G Foundation. That's dollar sign letter G number two G Foundation or lowercase. Or you can mail it to 1728 Northeast Miami Gardens Drive, Suite 135, North Miami Beach, Florida, 33179. That's 1728 Northeast Miami Gardens Drive, number 135. NMB, Florida, 33179. Your contributions assist us and enable us to forward the vision in other countries such as India and Kenya. Please connect with us by logging on to the g2gfoundation.org. That's T-H-E-G, number two, G, F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N.org. We're community-oriented and believe in community outreach, mentorship, and investing in our youth by spiritual and educational empowerment. We'll see you next week, family, and tell someone to tune in same time here on this network. Shalom.